Hi, Monique Bowley here. Every week on Mamma Mia Out Loud, we'd give our recommendations, the best things to read, watch or listen to that week. But you told us, listeners, you wanted more. You wanted the best things from the whole year. You're greedy. It's okay. We're all a bit greedy. So if you've gone through the whole year too busy to watch, read and listen to things, and now you're overwhelmed with the choices out there, let us narrow it down for you. Today, the best things we've read this year that you should too. From the books that made us fist pump to the best long-form journalism, we've saved the best reads till last. You don't need a notepad for this episode. We'll put all the recommendations in the show links. And tell us what you're reading on the Mamma Mia Podcast Network Facebook page or tweet us at Mamma Mia Podcasts. Pop your spectacles on, find a comfy chair and let's begin. Mia, what was the best thing you read this year? I can't go past um, Annabelle Crabbe's The Wife Drought. I find it hard to pick just one, but I, I really loved The Wife Drought. I thought that it was just such a great, uh, important – may I'm making it sound like homework, but in her beautiful style, I mean, I'd, I'd read Annabelle Crabbe's shopping list because it would be just so hilarious. She makes strong points, but she really makes them with humour. So one of my favourite anecdotes from that book where she talks about the life of, of working women um, and this need that, that women have for a wife if they want to really succeed. And by wife, she kind of basically means a, a primary carer in the home. But she talks about this woman who was at home with her kids and she had to dial in for a conference call. And she's on the conference call and her children are in the other room and she hears all kinds of squealing and screeching. And one of them comes in and hands her a note and it said something like, Henry the guinea pig has just given birth because they didn't realize that the guinea pig was a girl or that the guinea pig was pregnant and then she's like oh okay that's great and she's trying to be on the conference call and then they run out and then they come back in and the next thing is uh, she gets another piece of paper and it says henry has just eaten one of the babies the funeral will be in 10 minutes <laughs> and she's trying to keep it together on this conference call and to me that just summed up I've been on so not with eating guinea pigs but with on so many of those situations where you're trying to be two things at once mm. you're trying to keep up a face at work while you're actually dealing with a whole lot of stuff behind the scenes it's just a great book you know what's weird I think you and I have spoken too much about the wife drought you say Why? all the things I want to say and I now don't know if I said them first or you did and I don't have anything <laughs> to add to what you say I haven't read it and I look at it and think to myself, I'd love to read it, but it does seem like homework to me. Um, did you, you like saying, Lean In? Did yes. you like Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In? Did you find that homework? Um, no, to be honest. I didn't. It's the same. Okay. Neither did I. I um, I underlined almost all of Lean In. I just absolutely loved it. And I, and I often yeah. buy those books and I feel like I should read them, but I never do. With Annabelle's book and with Sheryl Sandberg's book, I got to the end and I... I loved it. It's it's not a battle. It doesn't feel like homework. Uh, Ariana Huffington's Thrive, I tried to read and yeah. I, I got stuck because it felt worthy and it felt like effort, whereas um, Lean In just sort of flowed for me and I just kept going, yes, I've never thought of it that way. And Annabelle's book was the same in, in, in that sense. And it's got, as Mia mentions, that beautiful Annabelle touch of quirky, weird, slightly off-the-wall humour that makes you... It just You just settle in and enjoy it in a way that you would be chatting to a very, very clever friend as opposed to being dictated to from on high. 
Jam, what are you recommending? I am recommending two essays from the two websites I've enjoyed reading essays the most from this year other than obviously our own um first one is the atlantic who i just think have hit their stride this year in a new way it's always been a wonderful website for insightful longer reads but this year they've just nailed it several times they have got an essay which remains in their top five most read of the year now even though it was published months ago and which is called what isis really wants and it explores in quite a bit of depth what Islamic State is actually trying to achieve. And they look at the fact that leaders across the Western world don't really understand ISIS. They don't really understand the problem they're dealing with and what ISIS's actual aims are. And I think for a truly terrifying terror organisation who are infiltrating our news cycle daily, we're using the phrase and using the term ISIS or Islamic State so much without really knowing what's going on. And I just felt like I had more information and more of an understanding and more of an ability to engage in the conversation around um, terror and extremist um, Islamic activity than I'd ever had before. I felt smarter and I felt better for having read it. I've just written that down. My other one, and I know Mia loved this one as well, is I've just enjoyed so much what The Monthly have been doing this year. Um, They continue to deliver some great stuff. They have a new political editor, Sean Kelly, who is used to be Julia Gillard's press secretary and is really bringing them to the fore. But the piece I loved most from them this year was actually not political. It was from Helen Garner and it was called The Insults of Age. came out in about the middle of this year. And I remember, Mia, you and I were both sending it to each other the day it came out. And Helen is, I think she's 72 two now she wonderful author wrote the first stone joe sinquay's consolation beautiful number of books um she's a particular favorite of annabelle crab i know and she wrote this beautiful essay about what it is like to slowly become invisible as a woman as you age and that's a topic that's been written about a bit but not so much i think uh when you're looking at women into their 70s and then their 80s because she talks about not only do your does your status that comes from your looks disappear but you start to be infantilized to an extent. And she talks about being this incredibly clever woman with this amazing brain suddenly being treated like she's incapable by the people around her and the people who are trying to help her and would think they're just being helpful, friendly, you know, like a waiter or someone on the bus, for example, but that she finds it quite deeply insulting. And she's just the most lovely writer. It's a beautiful read. Okay, I'll go next. Just on Helen Garner... Sorry, before I forget, yeah. we in, in our book club podcast this year, we talk about This House of Grief, yes. which is a Helen Garner novel. It's a true crime novel about Robert Farquharson, who was accused of drowning his three kids in a dam on Father's Day. And Helen sits through the court process from Go to Woe, and it is stunning. It's a stunning novel. It's she, one of, she just gets better and better and better. Yeah. So one of the best things I read this year is a – it won the Pulitzer Prize for fiction and it's called Fatal Distraction and it's a long-form investigative piece about parents who have accidentally left their children in hot parked cars. Oh, wow. And it's from a few years ago but it is it has stuck with me since I read it. I think I read it last year and it's stuck with me ever since and every summer I think about it and it is so haunting and beautifully composed and gripping. Uh, if you just search for Fatal Distraction by Gene Weingarten, he wrote it for the Washington Post and you will 
it will stay with you. You will not forget it and you will think differently. God forbid there'll be another story this year about a child dying in a hot car. It will make you, give you a whole new perspective on it. What's interesting, I have never had the courage to read this piece. It's a very, very famous piece, but I've read about it. So I've kind of absorbed it from a distance. And my understanding, Mons, is that what he discovered in this investigation is that there is no type of person. It's rabbis, it's doctors, it's unemployed people, it's mothers, it's fathers. This idea of fatal distraction, we're all capable of it. Absolutely. So there's not one type of person or demographic that's that's more likely to leave their child in a car. That's it. And the whole story hinges on this question of what kind of person forgets a baby in a car? And the every answer kind is of every kind of person. Yes. Okay. Oh, heavy. The other best read of my year, and I gave this, spoiler alert, five stars in the Book Club podcast. This is the most seminal piece of Australian fiction I've read in such a long time. It's the best thing I've read since Cloud Street. Hang on, I've got to go. Oh, I hated Cloud Street. Did you? Sorry. It's called The Eye of the Sheep and we selected it this year for Book Club podcast because it's the best novel I've read in years. Just run, run and get this book. If you're going to read one book these holidays make it the eye of the sheep by sophie laguna she's a melbourne writer she was a playwright she used to write children's books and she's written this incredible story about a little boy with autism and the way he negotiates his life in the 1970s and his family and it's the most skillful depiction of australian domestic life since yeah since cloud street you can always smell the cut grass and the sea it won the miles franklin and you will not have to guess why it is so Oh, it was is gobsmackingly good, and you'll you'll need tissues. I will say that. Do you is know it told by the com- perspective of the boy? Yeah, yeah, interesting. The whole conversation that we're having around books really makes me think about what you want to get from a book. Mm. Um, and to me, a lot of the things that you describe, loving Mons, are very emotionally affecting. And I'm having a little look down my list of recommends, and they're all. I won't say surface, but none of them are distressing. There's not a single fiction one among them, I might say, but they're not at all distressing or kind of emotionally affecting in that way. Interesting. I think it's because I read so much during the year. I read headlines. I read text messages. I read WhatsApp. I never read in depth anything anymore. So when I want to read a book, I really look for something – something with gravitas something that's been beautifully crafted that's what I want something that I can take my time with and that I can appreciate the construction of and the language of it that's what I want I don't want a surface book I want something beautifully done fascinating that that's what you like it's almost like you're looking for some work though you you want something that is the peak of its craft which genuine generally can mean it can be quite hard to read completely I want a book and I look for books that make me stop and take a sharp a sharp intake of breath and go back and read it again and think, how can anyone write so beautifully? That's what I love in a book. See, I look for the Atticus Finch thing, the idea of, for me, the best authors take me and put me in the shoes of someone else and I live and feel and breathe and think like another character. That's what I'm always looking for in fiction. Yeah, I was in an airport and I texted you, I was looking for something to read on a plane and I texted you months to say, what's that book that you were raving about? And it was The Eye of the Sheep and, and I went and I looked at the back of it 
And it seemed like it was going to take me to a really dark place and that it was going to leave me feeling really upset. And I thought, I don't know if I want to go that journey. I, I guess I'm looking for more surface escapism when I'm reading. That's interesting. It, it is. It yeah. deals with dark themes, but because it's written from a child's perspective, it has this light touch that means that it's mm. very, um, very accessible. Is Very it? Enjoyable. Have you read the Curious Incident of the Dog in the Night? Yes, is I it, loved is it. Is it a similar? It's in the same vein. Yeah, yes. right. I, I adored that. It's also, I think, why I, I liked the Rosie Project yes. because both th- those give you an insight into um, Asperger's or autism on being on the spectrum, and it, it made it made it made me come out of it going, I can be more empathetic to the people around me because I understand I understand where they're coming from mm. because that way of thinking suddenly made sense to me. There's a book everybody's talking about at the moment all over the world called A Little Life uh, that was in, I think, also part of Jennifer Byrne's End of Year Book Club. And it's described as a misery-soaked epic. <laughs> it's by an author called Hanya Yanagihara. And I was listening to Chat 10 Looks 3, Lee Sales and Annabelle Crabbe's podcast, and Lee was saying she was on that last episode of the Tuesday Book Club, and she said she's one of the first guests who ever said, who had ever said, I just chose not to read this book because she said she started, yeah, she started reading it. She said, I got about three chapters in and it deals with these four friends, these American guys, I think they went to college together and they meet up a few years later and it turns out one of them had been terribly sexually abused. And she said, it is so, it, it was just so awful that I made a decision. I don't want to get into bed every night and be reading this and have this haunting my dreams. And she was saying, look, part of her job is so much reporting on the Royal Commission into Institutionalized Sex Abuse and these terrible things. She said, I just chose that I I didn't want to bring that into my life. And I feel like I do that so much, uh, very probably to my detriment. But I'm very always um, very envious of people like you who can just go, I went and saw this movie and I bawled my eyes out or I read this book and it was devastating. Can we talk about Rosie's Waterlands book? Anti Cool Girl, yep, that's on my list too. This is but this is a beautiful book by Rosie, who we've all known is a talented writer, but to read about the depths of her life was really extraordinary. She I think so many of our of Mamma Mia's audience know Rosie as the hilarious girl who writes about funny things, sex and the bachelor. And to see her to 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 learn the story behind how she's got to where she is today and how she grew up and that she grew up in housing commission and that she had a very sort of broken and troubled childhood is a fascinating, but B God, she does it well. Like this is the blackest of comedies. I found myself laughing the most in Rosie's book in the chapter where she talks about her mum trying to commit suicide, which just sounds wrong to say out loud, but she's such a skillful writer, Rosie, that she can move you from laughing to tears to reflecting on the foster system and being deeply troubled by it to giggling at how ridiculous Rosie can be and it's just it is really beautifully put together yeah it's it's a fantastic book and it's been wonderful to see her launch into the world as this important voice this year it's been really gratifying for for all of us as her friends and and her co-workers I'm someone who I will reread 
favorite books for comfort yeah occasionally so my number one mm. comfort read is pride and prejudice which is a such cliche to, for it to be but it is and um, another one of mine is the harry potter series they're books that where i feel like i'm returning to old friends and i really enjoy reading them the bridget jones diaries books i couldn't stand the movies but adored the books and i went back this year and i read Middlesex by Jeffrey Eugenides. So Jeffrey Eugenides wrote his first book was The Virgin Suicides. So talk about like quite a nice mm. book to open up your writing career with. Middlesex to me is his greatest work. And it is, I have decided, the best book I've ever read. Wow. And I am a big reader and I love to consume high quality fiction. But reading Middlesex again just made me sit back and look at the mastery with which he writes and the ability to take his reader on the most fantastic journey. The The premise of the book is it is told by a character who finds out – it's told by a character who she's a little girl at the, start of, um, at the start of the book and she goes through the fact that she realises at 14 that she's a hermaphrodite and actually decides to then live life as a man. And it's oh. about her – that, so the voice, not only does the voice of the book change from being, you know, a child right through to a teenager through to an adult, but the gender of the person telling the story and, tell, and narrating changes through the book. Wow. And it is just so well done. It, it's got twists and it's got turns. And there is this scene in particular where um, at, the, at that time she's a she, she's 13 and she's in a doctor's office and she can hear that she she's heard the word hermaphrodite used but she doesn't know what's going on she just knows there's something wrong with her and that she's weird and she's panicking so she grabs the dictionary and starts looking up what the words mean and she goes through and you know how the dictionary says see blah 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 similar Mm. words and it's she keeps going through with intersex hermaphrodite and she gets to see monster and there's just this moment of this little girl and you just your heart breaks for her and I just I know that's it's not a new book. I think it's about 10 years old now. But for me, that has firmly cemented itself as the best book I've ever read. It won the Pulitzer in its year. It did. It's, and, it's, it's um, got, some, got some props at the it's, time. It is always top five of every book list I read or top ten. And it's on my shelf. I've never read it. How exciting. Get your hands I've on seen it. it. Get your hands on it. I've never read it either. I loved uh, You've Been Publicly Shamed by John Ronson. I got oh, this as an audio good. book because I love his voice. And he's just this great um, – he's a bit like Louis Thoreau. He's this sort of quirky English, a little bit Woody Allen-esque. But he basically goes into this examination of people whose lives have been ruined by being publicly shamed on social media. So these are people who were not famous. They sent a fairly innocuous tweet. It might have been a joke that didn't land. It might have been something that was taken out of context. And he follows what happens to them and how their lives are completely ruined by the mob that has become social media. And he looks at the part that we have all played in that, including himself. And it's just so interesting funny narrative rollicks along and um yeah just just beautifully told one of the things i really enjoyed about that book and i listened as an audiobook on on audible as well um is the chapter where he goes into the history of public shaming and how sh- public shaming used to be a legitimate form of legal punishment like that was something yeah. that the western world used to punish people you know the people were dragged through the streets and all the rest it was a, a public shaming was something you did when you did when someone had done something illegal and now it's it's almost become this sort of international 
online sport. Mm. Did you have another one? Jen? I've got one and this is going to look like awful pandering, but I freaking stand by it. And it's from early this year. And that is Mia's beautiful essay about her anxiety that ran as the oh. first piece on debrief daily early this year. And I know Mia, that's been in the back of your head for so long and mm. we've forgotten it because we're so we're so we run so fast through the year. But for me, that is the best thing we've run on the Mamma Mia Women's Network this year. I related to it so much. I've sent it to so many friends who suffer from anxiety, who also suffer from depression and other mental illnesses, and had felt stigma about treating their mental illness. And I think it encouraged a whole lot of people to be more honest and open about what it's like to struggle with mental illness because there's a lot of us mm. <laughs> surprise surprise and that was you know i hate using the word brave because you know mia you're <laughs> rad but you're not malala but it was brave and it was a beautifully written piece so that's also well, just because she's tips. been shot in the face and i wrote an essay are you saying that i can't compare myself to her i am no, I, really, I am um, saying that <laughs> I'd completely forgotten that I wrote that this year. Yeah, look, I, I, I was. It helped me process a lot, and I needed to be a bit far away from it. But like when I wrote about my miscarriage, it was about ten years after it had happened, and when I wrote about this, it was about five years after it. I was first diagnosed, so it just took me a bit of time to process. But I'm going back and read that. Thanks, Jam. My pick of the year was a book is a book that I think you've also covered off in book club mon so I won't say anything other than big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert absolutely loved it I was lucky enough to interview her for an episode of no filter eat pray love is one of my comfort books that I go back and reread also her novel signature of all things which I can't remember if it came out this year or last year but I loved that I'm just a big big fan of her writing her fiction her nonfiction. and for me as someone who struggled with my creativity particularly this year I just, it was really liberating when she basically said, stop being precious, just get on with it. Mm. Stop, stop whinging. It's Loved got, it. It's got a, a, some really, uh, really fantastic take-home messages and we go through all of them in oh. the Book Club podcast. So it's 40 minutes deep diving into Elizabeth Gilbert's life advice. Oh, I can't wait to listen. Mm. What else on your shelves, Mons? You're such a prolific reader. When do you read, Mons? Uh, at night time when, 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 when we're camping. I have a book club, so <laughs> it forces me to read. And mm. it's been the best thing I've done this year was join that book club because mm. it gives me the discipline to do it. I read off my, the back of my mum's book club lists mm. and then I don't have to read the ones she thinks are shit and she's really good at knowing what I'm going to like. Um, how, did you jo- how did you find your book club? I started it. Well, who did you, what's the process of starting it? How did you decide who to invite? What books? Uh, well, I wasn't invited. You know, it's one of those things where if you want to do something, the universe will provide. So I've moved to mm. a new city. I didn't have any friends and I didn't want people from work to be in the book club because I see them all day at work and I wanted to meet new people. And I was walking around um, in the city <laughs> and I overheard a girl say, I really want to be in a book club. And I stopped and I said, excuse me. You did not. True. I said, do you want to be in a book club? She said, yes. I said, so do I. Would you like to start one? I'm not a weirdo. <laughs> and she said, yes. And then we did. And then she no brought way. some of her, her sister and her friends. And I have one friend in Melbourne that I brought along. And then it's grown from there. How many people are in it now and what are the rules? We have about eight people. Um, there are no rules except... Uh, we rotate who selects the books and the other thing is um, it's quite a serious book club like I wanted to make friends out of book club but really we just talk about the book so it's kind of disappointing 
And what if you haven't read the book? Have you done that yet? Oh, you, you don't go. To, to get you, the f- you do not go. It's one of those shamed book clubs that if you don't you read it. You can't fake it through. Nah. No cheat notes. You know what no. I would really like? For you to take a secret recording at your book club when you haven't read the book and you just got to fake it like you're a kid writing an essay when you haven't finished them. They'd know. I'm such a terrible liar. They would know. I've got two other quick recommendations. Annabelle Crabb's quarterly essay about Malcolm Turnbull. It's called Stop at Nothing. If you go to the quarterly essay website, you can get it. I don't know if it's also available as an audio book. I'd love Annabelle to read it to me. But it's not new. It's about it was from when he was opposition leader a long time ago. But the essence of Malcolm hasn't changed and Annabelle's beautiful writing hasn't changed and it's such an interesting read. You reminded me of it, Jam, when he was elected Prime Minister and I think you went back to it then and it made me go and and hunt it out. The other thing I downloaded, which I didn't love as much, was David Marr, the audio book of his quarterly essay on Bill Shorten, which you recommended. Faction Man, it's called. Faction Man. I have a feeling you've got to be a real political tragic to enjoy that one. I think I'm not enough of a tragic because, I I, look, I'd listen to David. I've always said I'd listen to David Marr read the phone book because he's just got Mm. such a beautiful, sexy voice and I love him. But... I didn't get through that one. But Annabelle Crabb, Malcolm Turnbull, I loved. And also Magda Zabanski's book, Reckoning. Yes, that's on my list. Thank you. After your interview with her, it's so on my list. Yeah, it's really um, not – I don't read celebrity memoirs. And she – I have a friend who talked to her a few years ago. A publisher was trying to set her up to ghostwrite Magda's book. And Magda was adamant at the time that she wanted to write it herself. And I'm sure every celebrity tries to say that. But – Oh, my God, she can write. She can write. I mean, forget the twists and turns and coming out as a lesbian at age 51 or however old she was. She can write beautifully. Great. My list is full. Thank you both. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed that list of books and great reads for the year. We'll leave them all in the show notes, so there'll be links there and links to publishers and links to books and links to articles. Um thank you for taking the time to spend with us and keep an eye on the Mamma Mia Out Loud feed because we're dropping all bonus episodes across the holidays and across the festive season. So we'll talk to you then. 